Welcome to the podcast of St. Basil the Great Catholic Church in Brecksville, Ohio, with homilies, talks, and interviews relevant to your Catholic faith. God bless you and enjoy. Today we continue with the second week of our theme this month of Let's Make This a Radical Year. As Father Ryan, Father Ryan spoke and pointed out last week, the word radical is commonly thought of as extremists, right? Or protesters, riots, and sadly, even the tragedy that happened last week at the U.S. Capitol. And that's not the meaning. But we do today, I think all of us have come here today sort of heavy in heart, and we do want to pray in a special way for peace and for an end to all forms of hatred, prejudice, and violence. Today, and for the entire year, as Father Ryan pointed out last week, we wish to reclaim the word radical for its true meaning. It comes from the Latin, radix, which means root. So how can we make this a radical year? A year rooted in God's love, as Father Ryan preached last week. In our own lives and in our country today, we are always a mixture of blessedness and brokenness. To become rooted in God means to let God in to all the parts of our life, the broken as well as the, the, the wonderful, the fractured places, the weak places, the insecure places to transform us. And at his conclusion of his homily last week, Father Ryan recommended a couple things. He said, let's go out and make a good confession to let God in, to let go of what weighs us down, our failures, our struggles, to admit to ourselves and to God, everything's not okay. I am struggling. I need help. And then he said last week, spend time in your weakness, looking at where things are a mess, where you are inadequate, your relationships, your pride, your insecurity. I think his point was to begin our journey into a radical year, we have to enter into our own weakness, our own brokenness first. How timely that was last week. Today we celebrate the conclusion of this long week celebrating Epiphany. Today we focus on the original, the true meaning of Epiphany, and that is the baptism of the Lord. And as Father Dave pointed out, we celebrate our own baptisms. I hope this can be the first step today of our question this year of how can I become rerooted in God's love and have a radical year? The answer may lie right before our eyes. Father Ryan briefly touched on it last week. To be rooted in God's love is to allow yourself to be transformed. But do we transform ourselves? Do we take charge? Do we do something? Is it all up to me? How can we be transformed into God's love if we cannot hear God, or we cannot see him, or we don't feel his presence? It just seems like it's all brokenness and suffering and struggle in our lives. If we want our bodies to be healed, our health restored, we ask for the best medicine, right? A vaccine. And to heal our brokenness, perhaps the best medicine is grace, God's love, his very life. That's what makes us rooted in him. So how do we get there? 
You see, we find in our Christian faith, particularly our Catholic faith, that God's grace, His life, His love, is richly channeled through the church and through the sacraments, especially baptism. We do believe, as with many of our fellow travelers and believers, that God is all around us. God's grace is everywhere. The Catholic Church doesn't have a monopoly on grace. God's grace and love are seen in creation, in truth, in goodness, and beauty. Nevertheless, to redeem our fallen, weak, and messy human situations, and at the same time respect our free will, our freedom to choose, God chose to enter into our lives as a brother, as a man, as a physical person, Jesus Christ. Our bodies are earthly, fleshly. We are embodied souls. To be saved is to be saved both body and soul. For centuries, the church fathers tried to protect that teaching. There were very smart people, philosophers, who said, our bodies are just clumps of cells. There's no life after death. They can just be thrown away. Live for the moment. Live for the day. For tomorrow we die. Then there were others that said, we are just spirits. We are trapped in these bodies like a shell. Redemption is only by escaping the body and avoiding all these material things in life. Neither is true. The apostles proclaimed that God loved us just as we are and became one of us and rose from the dead to save us body and soul. Father Dave, you always refer to that as the Paschal Mystery. It should be a wonderful feeling and relief that God can save you and me just as we are, as imperfect and messy and broken as we are in this world. But the key to unlocking that mystery of redemption, the key to restore our rootedness in God, is grace. The grace of baptism, which we all share, and the other sacraments. So why did John have to baptize Jesus? Shouldn't it have been the other way around? That's a perennial question. Even John asks it in one of the Gospels. The answer is the incarnation. John, by the way, would be baptized later in his martyrdom. John the Baptist was baptized in blood. But the incarnation meant that Jesus humbly descended down to our level. He entered into the brokenness of our world. We celebrate at Christmas that he took on a body and soul. He became a baby. He was born of Mary, the virgin. But next, Jesus lowered himself even further. He immersed himself in the waters of our weakness and our broken world. He entered into what John the Baptist had started, the repentance for all our sinfulness. He drowned himself in the Jordan to sanctify not only us, but the entire world which had been lost, and to restore us to divine life. The life that we had with Adam and Eve in the third chapter of Genesis, but was lost through original sin. That divine life came alive, was manifested, the epiphany in the baptism of the Lord. So Jesus and John heard the voice of God saying, this is my beloved son. And then they saw the Spirit descending like a dove. Remember the dove that descended to Noah to announce that the end of the destruction had come, that new life was to begin? Jesus didn't really need to hear and see those things. 
he knew his father so well and the intimacy of his heart, his pure, his holy heart. But the father's voice was to reveal who we are to become. We would become the sons and daughters of God through grace and truth that John the Evangelist preached. That Holy Spirit descending to anoint Jesus as the Son in truth and grace and power was a sign that the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, was entering into the world to anoint and restore us to life, the waters of life. From then on, including Jesus' next stop at Cana, the wedding, everything he did and accomplished was in and through the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit all the way to the Last Supper in Calvary. So the root of who we are, the life that we have regained, the immortality that was lost and now is found, began with the baptism of Christ and ended with his resurrection. Do we ever stop and think about that long enough? He humbled himself, not only becoming a man, but immersing himself in our brokenness to lift us up to new life. After he rose from the dead, Jesus gave this gift of divine life, restoring humanity to that relationship, to the love, the rootedness in God. At Pentecost, when he breathed the Holy Spirit on the apostles, who went out and proclaimed the good news and baptized others, you might call it in today's term, he started the chain of custody. The church, from then on, has protected baptism as the primary, the gateway to all the sacraments, to preserve that gift of divine life that we now share. The grace of baptism and all the sacraments, like waters, flow into the depths of our life, to our roots, and restore and enable us to live in God's love. We become, we're regrafted onto the vine as new branches in Christ, as his mystical body. The letters of St. Paul all through the New Testament refer to this, the indwelling of the Spirit, our reconnection with God by being members of his body, being rooted in Christ, is actually explicit in Ephesians chapter 3, starting at verse 14. The gifts of the Spirit are listed by Paul in his letter to the Corinthians, all through baptism. I love baptisms because they give me a chance to hold and to be around wonderful, pure little babies that always look at me so strangely when they're about to be dunked in that water. Like something is up. Something's really going to happen here. And it's so wonderful to see the joy in the parents and the family that their child has now become a child of God. That's why the church teaches, too, that there's no reason to delay baptism. It's a gift of new life, so why wait till you're an adult? Some of us may be thinking here today, well, Father, I was baptized many years ago. I'm kind of feeling lost now. doesn't feel like I'm really rooted in that. Or so-and-so I know never comes to church. They were baptized. Or so-and-so is living in sin of some sort. They were baptized. How can we regain that grace? Can we re-baptize? No. The truth is, sometimes we receive the power of the sacraments, but we're not really open to it. Or they grow stale. We've turned away from God and kind of wandered off, so to speak. There are many reasons for this in our culture, in our world, but the major one is forgetfulness. 
forgetting what that sanctifying grace of baptism, how powerful it is, it really means. And the fact that the grace of holiness, our everyday living out our lives, can be lost if we don't attend to it. The divine life, even, can quietly slip away. Our openness to the working of grace in our lives can become dried up. And only if we are humble enough to accept that reality, that risk, will we recognize that sometimes our roots do need to be pruned and do need to be rewatered now and then. But thanks be to God, we have other sacraments like reconciliation or penance and anointing and Eucharist, the healing sacraments. These are why we can say it's never too late to be brought right back to that original state of grace at baptism, to be brought, to be resuscitated back to life, to restore our holiness. There are many, many graces that come from baptism itself, like the washing away of all original sin. Did you know that when you, someone enters the church for baptism, they've never been baptized? They don't even have to go to confession. They do need to be contrite. They need to be sorry for all the past sins of their lives. But baptism is so much more powerful. It cleanses them of sin even without going to confession. But one of the graces I like to focus on on baptism is the gift that God gives us of virtue, faith, hope, and love. And let's not forget peace and joy. Our baptism is why when you go to confession or reconciliation, often years later, maybe years after being away from the church or never having gone to confession, and you tell, you honestly let go of all your sins and struggles to the priest who then absolves you in the name of Christ, you walk out with a strange, almost tingling feeling of joy and peace. That's the grace that was there all along since your baptism. So there are other sacraments, Eucharist, that heal us and nourish us. The grace of baptism is permanent, but we need these other sacraments to keep us holy, to keep us moving forward, to nourish our roots. I hope and pray that as part of our radical year, whatever other areas we enter into, discipleship, scripture, uh, family life, that we have a renewed appreciation for the power of grace in our lives that comes and is channeled through the sacraments and through the church. The church herself, you and I, are a sacrament. We are the sacrament of the mystical body of Christ through which only the sacraments can flow. And so I would leave you with just a couple of thoughts about how we can feel and become more truly rooted in God's love. As a family, go home, pray, and renew your baptismal promises. Pull out from the internet a list of what those promises are and pray over their meaning. And as Father Ryan said last week, go out and make a good confession. Even if it's not perfect, you kind of forget or you stumble, get started to recover and bring back those graces of baptism in your life. Not just mercy, but as I said, peace, healing, joy, even confidence. Confidence that we are all imperfect. None of us is perfect. And we can start over and have our roots pruned and watered and nourished through God's love. 
come and receive the Eucharist. And I know it breaks my heart that it's very hard and during these days that the majority of people in our parish cannot come to receive the Eucharist. But think about other parts of your life. Do you go to the grocery store? Do you go to restaurants? Do you go to family gatherings? And think whether or not a careful attendance at a daily Mass, for example, when the church is less than half full, might be a time to come and pray and receive the Eucharist. And most importantly, the result of this grace should be an outward flowing of our love to become Christ to one another. Jesus is not someone we just admire as the perfect guy, the good, the good Samaritan or the one who's better than us. He calls us to live as he lived, to live out the grace we have received, to let our roots grow and to sprout green shoots of new life in our families, in our communities. And to do that, we need to remind ourselves to be welcoming and hospitable, just as we have to open up our brokenness to the Lord's love and healing. We need to open our lives to family members that we're estranged from, people that we've sort of forgotten because they're just too difficult to deal with, or friends that we've lost track of, and invite them to church to pray to the sacraments, not as membership rites or rites of passage, but as a source of the flowing waters of grace, as refreshment, as becoming rooted in God's love. We hope you enjoyed this audio from our parish. You can find other homilies, talks, and interviews at our website, basilthegreat.org, or by subscribing to this podcast in your favorite app. Just search for St. Basil Catholic Church, Brexville. St. Basil the Great, pray for us.